1: hello it's big mike from essex and you're listening to dame baptiste questions everything my question is what thing about your family when you were young did you later discover was actually quite odd we always had baked beans with our roast dinner and i've since found out that's very much not normal try it you won't look back enjoy this week's episode Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The HZA, hello, and a mix of a very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we're talking everything from.
0: We are talking everything from Big Mike from Essex's question What thing in your family did you grow up thinking was normal when it was actually uh, pretty weird? Uh, Dane, anything spring to mind of what was weird? about your family growing up?
1: Everything. (laughs) Everything compared to everyone else. I think the only weird thing for me was that I guess when I... Most of my friends who were also descended from... My parents are first generation, so they weren't born in the UK. And I found that most of my friends that were born of the same generation, their parents were second generation. And so I felt like there was a lot of platitudes that my parents had that my friends didn't have. Like, I thought everyone would have a curfew and have to be home by 12. I thought everybody had to clean their house. I thought... Hmm. everybody uh, didn't get pocket money and I thought that uh, well well, I found out one of my friends his parents used to give him his child benefit book to spend himself and put it this way I didn't even
0: know child benefit existed
1: until he told me
0: some good examples of how your family are definitely different. I can't really actually think of any in mine. I'm sure there was some food-related ones that were weird. Uh, there's lots of things that families do that are I weird suppose, with that and,
1: and Christmas. I mean, you know, some people, my family... Also, rice with a roast dinner. Rice uh, with I, roast dinner. There you go. I, I thought everybody did that. And then when I actually had a roast outside of my house and realised that there was no rice... Oh, there was. That Toby, Toby Carvey <laughs> went down that night, Howard. Oh, we went crazy up
0: <laughs> Well, suffice to say, we <laughs> we ask and answer uh, all the questions, including that one from Big Mike. Absolutely, thank you very much for that question, Big Mike. And if you want to hear us answering all
1: the questions, remember that no question is too big, too small, too stupid, or too intelligent. If you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, and you'll never miss an episode. Or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's largest. podcast Podcast Network, where you can hear all of the very special guests answering the very special questions. With that being said, on today's show, our guest is a former French footballer. As a striker, he played in the Premier League for Fulham, Manchester United, Tottenham and Everton, scoring 85 goals in 289 appearances. He's won two Premier League titles and the Champions League and is also one of the co-founders of the amazing Access Stars organisation and app, which links luxury brands and opportunities and hospitality and leisure to former and current athletes and entertainers. It's a magnifique Mr. Louis Saha. Hi, guys. Ça va,
0: monsieur? Très bien, très bien. Louis, I left out of your biog the fact that you scored the fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final, right? 25 seconds into that final.
2: Yeah, I did, but uh, it's not the best uh, record that I'm proud of. Um, I don't think that's uh, good enough. Um, I would have preferred to be (laughs) maybe a uh, a winner uh, last minute or last second of a game you know
0: uh, we didn't, that's a fair point.
2: didn't lift that trophy so don't Not really care. yeah
0: chelsea yeah, okay. yeah. drogba drogba yes. tough guy lombard yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> but you still won the leagues you know you got the league you got the league uh, medal so you know got some some trophies yeah that, Gantam,
1: well, yeah, I think, I think it's safe to say that your achievements and your position in football and history, and Premier League history, has been already been cemented, Lewis, not only amazing appearances and two Premier League titles, but two very memorable haircuts.
2: Let's not forget that. Hey, uh, you got
0: me. Yes, yes.
2: you got me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Some serious
2: hair.
1: You know, it's it's the uh, the pay francophone perm um, that we all know and love, whether it was yourself or Didier Drogba, but very distinct. <laughs> uh, and I, uh,
2: <laughs> Yes, yes. Let's say I let's say that I started the mess. I started the mess. Everyone now is like uh, doing some some strange things. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm I'm with my cap now. I'm trying to be. Safe. <laughs> but
1: we remember who set that trend, you know, between yourself and mm-hmm. you know, I'd say Jabril Cisse and Didier Drogba, Ibrahim Bar. Yeah. Like these are the men that took the real risk. And I guess to and to a lesser extent, maybe Mario Balotelli over the last decade or so. But we know who set pace, Lewis. We salute you as a
0: yeah, fashion. Ample. <laughs> it's worth saying, you know, people. Who, you know, there's a lot of people who might not know everything as much as we do about football, Dane. That that you know, Louis Louis came over to here, this country and smashed it at Fulham. Just like this, it was just incredible. For her. how many years were you playing for Fulham before you moved to Man United? Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, three three and a half good years. And it was uh, yes, uh, you're right, uh, Fulham. Uh, introduction was, was uh, pivotal for, for my career because it brings me a lot of confidence. Um, we started, I think, uh, we started that year with that style where we we're starting to play nice football on the floor and then maybe the championship was not ready for that and and that's why mm. we just like take them by surprise, I would
0: say. Yeah, and you scored some great goals. Now they were beautiful goals as well, right? I remember some absolute And It, was, oh, it must be an amazing thing to look back on. Yeah, it's funny because like I do, I do feel about this, and and straight away
2: I, I look at other people' records and I look at Messi and Ronaldo scoring fifty goals a season, and I say, hang on a minute, I, I scored half, and I felt like God, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and he was in the championship. So imagine those guys—it's just like, uh
0: it's uh, it's another level. Really, really it's something yeah. level. not human, not not well, something 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 special going on. Yeah. Um, But um, it's probably time for a question, hey, Dane, as uh, the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. And
1: uh, I mean, I'm thinking of one question, but obviously, Lewis, there is a barrage of questions. And I know a few Man United supporters that would have had loads of questions for me, for you as well. But I'm sure we can catch up at a later date. But again, it's an absolute pleasure to have, uh, you know, footballing royalty and Premier League royalty on the show. Uh, That being said, uh, as our esteemed guest, we would invite you to ask the first question, whichever question you would like uh which we'll discuss for about 50 minutes or some change then howard will do the same i believe it's going to be football related because you can see how excited the his is, and that means a lot lewis because you're from man united so <laughs> technically we should be insulting you throughout the duration of this podcast because we're both gunners but i know you as a man you're a good man so we're gonna yeah. leave it out um they won they, yeah, won. All right, howard, they won blah you know? blah blah, <laughs> blah. <laughs> technical <laughs> whatever blah 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 but um yeah. I then, how would like to ask a question? And then, I would like to ask you a final question. And then, once we are all done, uh, I would love for you to be able to let our listeners uh, know where they can find out more about your good works and uh, also check out some of your previous work as well. Um, so, with that being said, Mister Louis Aha, we invite you to ask the first question.
2: Yes, I'm. I'm very passionate. Uh, passionate about uh, about um, yeah, what's going on in life right now? Everyone's seen what's happening, so. Basically, like everyone have a mission to help to make a difference. So how can we make a difference? That's my question.
0: What a brilliant question. Right, Dane, that's a powerful question. Great
1: question and a testament to the man as well, that the question is a humanitarian one, where most people would think, you know, the trappings and perks of fame and athleticism would, uh, you'd have different preoccupations, Lewis, so we respect that. Um, A difference, would you say, would that be a difference overall or a different socially or, uh, ecologically, economically?
2: Yeah. I think there is a lot of grounds to cover because like everything seems to be linked for me, you know, we could say about like racism or sexism or but whatever it is, you know, like it, the, the world seems to be, let's say, if I can swear, uh, fucked up in some way. So um, I'm, I'm like, yeah, how, how can people realize that we are going in the wrong direction and we need to, to make sure some changes. Uh, we talk about climate changes we talk about like sports and in the values that we can bring and and share culture is the same so all those things to say like any everyone have like different like, let's say skills and uh, and preoccupation I would think but how everybody can make a difference some are like employees some are like startups or whatever some are comedians some are are uh, well well known and some not. Um, mm. How we can make a difference?
0: I tell you one way that anyone from any background generally can make mm-hmm. a difference is read about the things you uh, want to care about, uh, learning about them. Right, Dane. We often talk about this on, on this podcast. Yeah. You know, there's a world of Twitter where people are not reading enough about the, or learning enough about the stuff that they care
1: Absolutely. about. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's down to the state that we live in now, where technology has taken over so many of our more menial and, uh, I guess, uh, less glamorous preoccupations as society is that now that can be done for us. It's probably allowed us to become a lot more complacent and a lot more relaxed in terms of how the world is going, Lewis. So I think you're correct. I think we live in a time mm. where technology has facilitated so many aspects of the human condition that it's allowed us to kind of, I suppose, become very lax on certain aspects of uh, human interaction. So I think, for example, so just, you know, basically etiquette, for example, in that I think most people know how they need to speak to other people without causing offence or oppressing or insulting somebody. But I think with the anonymity that the internet gives you or social media gives you, that allows for people to say things which you wouldn't normally say in normal conversation and kind of gets away from it. So I think as mm. far as how to make a difference from that, I think as a larger conversation for all human beings and people to use social media, I think... And it may be something that happens naturally over time, but we have to observe some level of etiquette whereby if you are going to uh, contextualize your narrative and how you feel about things along lines of social media, then you should be able to be forthright about who you are in the same way that like, you know, you need a license to drive a car because people are aware that your actions will affect other people. You know, you need a license to buy a plane because, you know, Mm -hmm. you need a license to practice medicine. You need a license to sell alcohol because we are aware that, you know, these, these actions will affect other human beings. And I think if we are seeing that there is a physical or psychological detriment that's caused by online abuse, for example, then maybe there needs to be some licensing involved. Like, I don't necessarily want to say that we have to curtail speech or censor people, but if you're going to say something to another human being, then maybe you should stand by it and stand out there with your name.
0: How do you feel about making a difference, Louis? Do you, do you feel a pressure to kind of make a difference as, a, as, a, as an ex-player with such kind of a high profile?
2: Yeah. The, the pressure is, um, it's more about like, like living with, um, a sense of purpose. I now, obviously I'm, I'm older when you are 20, you want to enjoy life, uh, try to take the opportunity and then, and, you know, it's like a lot of pressure to keep your position, you know, so you have to, to, to get it. And when you, you feel like you are, like experience enough you're starting to look at uh, uh, the position I would say or the situation but first you're very kind of like selfish but uh, now because of what uh, we are talking about uh, with Dan uh, with uh, the social media, you can see a lot of things on the internet you can see a lot of people doing good things you can see a lot of situations who are really bad uh, now you can't like just like saying oh yes I'm living on my own bubble anymore You, you have to readdress those things and, and have the right messages when people are asking you about it. Um, so yes, in some way you are forced to actually take a position. Some are easier to take than others. Uh, when it comes or becomes too political, you want to really, uh, put yourself on the side because it could be really dangerous, but you you have to have to do uh some kind of like education process, you know, you have to learn and uh, need to understand because you are at some point, if you uh successful enough, you become an icon without realizing, it. you know, you have to uh, say like, like you have to understand that uh, people are following you. People are, are taking your advice or, uh, and this is a responsibility that has become mm. a reality. So, Yes, you have to because like from age 25 or 20, let's say 27, you're starting to have a kid or two. So you have to do it for your kids. So you have to do it regardless. So I think that it's normal because you want to leave a legacy behind and making sure that people understand who you are and don't like just like put yourself in the box uh, because you're a footballer. You don't think, or you crash cars, or you do this. And no, so we have this mission to actually say, no, you, we can do things. And I think one of the example is, um, is Rashford. Everyone's going to say his name as an oh, example, okay. because he's a, he's a pioneer in the way to have very easily, let's say it's a, a later, a good writing later, um, to actually, um, uh, change the behavior of a a government. So uh, imagine the the amount of uh, power that you have in your hands when obviously it's got like millions of followers, but still a lot of like people without maybe that amount of following can still do good things. So this Mm. is why I'm asking the question, because I think wherever that they want to do it, it could be dangerous if you do it uh, without the knowledge or without the support, uh, who's got the knowledge um, so all those things are a question that I'm very passionate about uh, we, we had a, a podcast with you then and I uh, seen uh, how you know like um, let's say um, you have like a lot of culture you, you know a lot of things and it, it was deep uh, concession and this is what we are looking for it's like talking to the right people we got we got that kind of like you know wide, uh, vision, you know, we can like say, okay, I can understand this, I understand that and be as well in some way, um, mm. let's say like uh, tolerant because he has a lot of, a lot of things. It's not super easy, you know, it's not, it's, it's not uh, just like a choice or, or two. No, it's like a, a process. And that's, that's why I think a lot of brands need to come together and challenge ourselves and, and, and think about uh, all those things because, yes, I, I may have an idea, but uh, mine will be one layer. Uh, may then bring yeah. another, and, and and you are, are going to bring another. And this is the hymn. The, the I think this type of uh, chat is very important.
1: I think you're absolutely right, Lewis. I think, I think unity is uh, always going to be a position of strength uh, and done very positively. And I feel you're absolutely correct in terms of the fact that It does show as dangerous as it may be, effective using a platform for something positive can Mm -hmm. always yield like big results. And, you know, it's really refreshing, especially someone as a former athlete to say it, because I think the zeitgeist we're dealing with now is a lot of the time when people do offer their opinion or they offer their outlook on the world, people will say to them, I'll stick to football and don't get involved in politics. But I mean, I've always found that to be a ridiculous statement in that any person who is a taxpayer or is going to be subject to any government policy or any law, has the same equal right to protest or, you know, articulate their protest like any other normal uh, civilian would as well. Like, I don't think an athlete or a footballer has any less qualification than than a, a member of a government to talk about issues that might affect their lives. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the most recent president, he started off as a reality TV star. So <laughs> if a reality future could be involved in a position of politics, there's no reason why a sports person can't do the same. Even before Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan was an actor before he became the head leader of the free world. And no one had a problem with that. So I believe that, you know, you're right that there's, if I think there should always be a share of knowledge and resources, I find that it can seem like you're an individual because, you know, you get these uh, terms like idol icon or role model, but I think it's very important for people in particular positions, irrespective of what industry they're working in, to always have an open dialogue and interact with each other yeah. and, and share information and opportunities. So, you know, even... So, I, like, I might work in a world of entertainment and you have previously worked in, uh, you know, uh, sports, but at the same time, I think a lot of our experiences will be very similar and we could both benefit for how we kind of interpret those experiences. And I say that because, I look, like I said, Marcus Rashford is a typical example whereby, you know, that's a footballer who wouldn't necessarily need to be involved but by him actively being involved be something because you know people see the footballer and they see this athlete and they see this wealthy athlete but behind the veneer he says himself i have to subsist on government and uh, sponsorship and food otherwise i wouldn't have been able to make it so i think that's a large part of it is that empathy is a big issue that you know even if you may have a comparatively better or worse position than some people that person is not responsible for your suffering a lot of the time and if you really want feel bad about your suffering why would you visit that on somebody else and you know it's it's refreshing to see someone like marcus rashford through his work and his platform being able to affect government policy which means that if athletes do get involved in politics a lot of time it can work i mean i have an even bigger example is george ware george ware became the president of liberia and he used to be a footballer i mean you know you are satisfying both parents with that kind of work. (laughs) I mean, you go from being like an athlete and like an accomplished Champions League athlete to also being the head of state. I mean, that just shows you what limits can be achieved if people are able to think out of their box and be able to engage people. And, you know, when you think about the intensity and the severity of the, the conflict that was in Liberia at the time, like, you know, a footballer who was playing, I think at the time, was he playing for Sampdoria or something before that, or AC Milan. AC Milan. Yeah, So yeah, you know, again, again, it would have been all the more reason for him to not even be paying attention to the ills of his country, but he got actively involved and it shows you what can happen. Like I'm also aware that Clarence uh, uh, Sadoff does a lot of uh, outreach work for UNICEF, a lot of work in South America and stuff as well. And I just think it just should be a natural thing whereby if you work in the industry, we are constantly interacting with new people, new places, it's bringing you to different horizons like entertainment sports do it would be remiss of you not to be able to have your perspective be a lot more broad as well and realize mm. that there is a big wide world out there and there's a lot of stuff to be done. So
2: I think there is a lot of like situation in, uh, come from school. I don't, I don't understand there is like some, some process that we're going to live with it being challenged by it for pretty much like 60 to 70% of the time, you know, and it could be like how to communicate. You said it before. You know, you should be having license to go on to social media, for example. It's about mm-hmm. basic knowledge about like empathy and understand that if you say something like this, it will have like a bad reaction, but they actually think that it's funny or whatever it is, you know. All those things, I don't think we've been teach how to... To, to speak to each other, how to respect yeah. each other. This uh, is like, it's basic, but it's not teach at school. It's like you need to open the book and like read French or read English or whatever, know how to, to, to build a sentence. But that's not the, the, the main skill that you're going to actually use. You know, you need really need to understand how to interact with people, how to make them Absolutely. do the good things or the thing that you want to uh, to uh, uh, make them
0: understand and all those things. This is more important. Well, and and and, and social media is making that worse, isn't it? Social yeah. media is is giving children a, a way to not have to talk to people in person and yeah. make them w- less skilled at, at discussing stuff.
1: Oh, st- st- yeah, stunting, stunting their ability to interact with other people. And it, it's like I said, with, with the school thing, it's kind of like, it's, it's an interesting point you make about like learning how to right use of language and how to interact with people because you know you know people say that 90% of human communication is nonverbal, but at the mm-hmm. same time, yeah. you can always learn to how to address people and I think you're right. but I think the largest issue is is more about um, it's also the issue of listening. I think making a difference and going back to what I was saying before is that like I really feel you act locally and think, think globally. I think if you can work to kind of enrich the immediate environment you're in and try to enrich your own community, Mm -hmm. then that's a large part of making a difference in the first place. Because I feel like a large part of the disposition that people have when they're like, well, it's all about me and I don't care. is because a lot of us anticipate that our peers and everyone else feels the same way and everyone else is kind of like, well, it's all about me. I was born alone, I die alone and blah, blah, blah. And I think if it's weird that we have a tool like social media, which can really Put you in a literally put you in a room with people from parts of the world you may have never been before to have a conversation. And yet it has not been able to demonstrate more uh, global unity because you think if people had the visibility and, you know, the opportunity to, because now someone can send something to you and may not speak English as a first language, you can pop that straight into Google Translate and find exactly what they're saying. And I imagine we're probably not that far off of like, you know, vocal or audio translators. So, we're getting closer and closer to having more and more tools, which allows us to interact with people on a much closer level than previously. And yet, it's very strange that while technology is facilitating what could be more of a bigger landscape for human connection, we're regressing to be more like amoebas and be these single celled organisms and only worry about what's happening within our immediate cell.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I think
1: for that to change, it at least needs to observe some level of local unity. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that can only come from some element of dialogue where I've, I've said before on a podcast where I think. There are gyms obviously for physical things, but there should be gyms for psychological things. You know, obviously people have like access to psychiatry and they can go to a therapist, but that's not really a privilege that everybody has necessarily. But by the same token, if we were to increase the field of study of looking at the complex of human emotion and how people think, the same way we do it on the physical, then you know, you probably observe a certain level of health. I mean, arguably, there's been there's more gyms, but it's not like obesity is going down necessarily. So again, <laughs> Definitely not. But but, but but maybe that's the reason for that is because we live in a world whereby we, uh, we don't necessarily help people address issues, but we tend to enable them for capital gain. So it's not necessarily about lambasting or insulting someone for being overweight, but I think what we don't do within our society is to address the fact that in some, I mean, many instances, the incidence of obesity comes from... Compulsion and from people trying to fill a spiritual or psychological hole with something physical. And that's not something we tend to address. So instead of looking at obese people and what they're eating, we should find out what's eating them. Mm. And I think it's stuff like that that we kind of need to do in society in order to kind of make a difference is that it's just, it's just that recognition of humanity, really. It's not going to be done for us because obviously it serves some other people for us to kind of be divided. Mm. I really just think that the key is, like I said, for people like yourself and myself to remember that uh, these what we do doesn't define who we are alone and that we're still people and still human beings. And mm-hmm. I always find that one of the best ways I can always navigate and try my best to be as caring for other people as possible is that I always think, you know, somewhere in the world, there is another Dane somewhere who's probably equally frustrated about where his life is and wants to do something else. Like I went to do 10 years ago when I started doing comedy. There's another Dane out there who feels the same way. So if anything... I'm doing it for that guy. Like, I think most people understand about, you know,
0: mm. uh,
1: you know, about kind of what's called holographic principle, but it's kind of like, I guess it's, it's like you said, it, it's, it's thinking of the future and thinking of your kids, but at the same time, understanding that it takes a village to raise a child. And even if I don't have children of my own, you know, the children are the future, whether they're mine or not, or have mm-hmm. my last name. So my actions will still affect them as well. So I, I really think it's, it's really about, uh, Walking in other people's shoes as much as possible.
2: You know, when I ask the question, the first thing is like, if we want, really want to make a difference, because we are not saying that we are too old, but I think that I'm very focused on on how to give that kind of knowledge or like awareness uh, about how the, this impact of knowing uh, each other or having this empathy and all those things. So, communicate and 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 give the that kind of like skills. You know to understand each other and understand why this guy is doing this you know that he's bad but uh, he doesn't you know like all these things you know uh, like l- I love um, to to find a way to yeah to put like everyone like in front of their of their mirror and just realize that uh, you know it's this is really mm-hmm. really hard and this is where we're gonna make a difference you say about this gym uh, of uh, psychology this is this is it it's like trying to make them like think like outside the, the, the box of what they, they, they have been like formatted, you know, with like the social media, the, the school process that is like sometimes it's really good to be academic, but there is no the, the practice, you know, things, you know, where you really like get like, uh, like the smart, but in a good way, you know, and, and this mm-hmm. is where I feel like we, we, we need as like kind of mentors to make them realize and, and spread the word and, and make sure, like people who are
0: um, in power, like put that mandatory. Um, and I think, I th- I think it's it, it's an amazing way of kind of looking at the world, and and it, and it kind of actually feeds into what my question is perfectly because I I wanted to talk um, about something that I wish we didn't have to talk about, uh, Louis. And uh, you know, me and Dane talk about all different things on this podcast. Um, I mean, I I remember going to watch football in the in the nineties. Go and watch Arsenal. Uh, I remember being at a game where I watched Ian Wright get racially abused. Um, and my brother stood up and told the guy to shut up. And, you know, it was, but it felt very weirdly, actually felt quite uh, weird for that to happen. I've been to a lot of Arsenal games and I can't tell you I've ever seen that happen. Uh, I'm sure it happens, but I've never seen it happen. And now we're living in an era where, where racist abuse in football is one of the biggest headlines. And every game we watch in the Premiership, the players are taking the knee, which feels really important. But it makes me want to ask you both the question, how does racism in football stop? Is is? It feels incredible that I'm even saying that in 2021, but it's come back in such a big way. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.
1: offer Louis to answer the question first because the other one here has actually played football.
2: Yeah, so, so, so in, in, in sport it's like um, it, it's such a, a difficult uh, ecosystem. For some reason, the ones who have the power to actually um, not saying that they're going to stop it, but they're actually going to actually really do the actual actions, going to actually reduce it, let's say. They're not doing it. And first, it starts with punishment. Punishment means you have strict rules, strict understanding that if you do that, whether online or in stadium, face to face, whatever, in, in the street, you're going to be sanctioned. And this is what is missing from whatever FIFA, UFR, FIBA, whatever the actual organization. They are the ones who give the rules. If like the sportsman himself misconduct, they get banned properly. And they, they they ban for whatever months or something like this. But those guys behind offices, they do they, they do stuff in a certain process where politics and commercial go up front. That's it. So when they say maybe oh uh, uh, wait, if this uh, gonna be asked uh, the sponsor to be sanctioned because it's not gonna be uh, able to be seen on the stadium because the stadium has been banned. There is like a commercial aspect on into it. So there is like those aspects, but it's about defending the players. It's about defending the, the fans or whatever it is. It's the most important actors of the, those games.
0: There is no money. There is no commercial. If there is no player and there is no fans. Done. Uh-huh. Well, and that's one of the things that that's one of one of the things that's come up here actually is the fact that so much of the racial abuse at the moment is obviously online. And the reason it's not being dealt with is because there's no money in it for Facebook Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.
2: Yeah, but that's that's the thing. Again, they put commercial up front. You know, if like they're saying they want to actually defend their customers, their clients, their whatever it is, and saying this is the good thing to do. If you make billions And you you recognize that this is the the way forward to actually help the society. You do it regardless because you have now the duty as you become an influencer. You have like this the same impact as the player is become an influencer. Uh, uh, A platform like Facebook, uh, Twitter is the same. There are guidelines for any other companies in in this planet, and they are not doing the the good the good stuff because they should be straight away banned those 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 uh, uh situation and say this is not acceptable anymore whatever you do it we we're going to track you and it's over you can't do uh, whatever you get a license or whatever you can't do online post anymore so you're going to be sanctioned and this is unacceptable and we don't want you in uh, in these platforms a star someone famous is going to do something bad say something really bad i mean like not just racist like something bad is not going to be able to actually be on the platform anymore. Yeah. So, so I, I don't understand. So one star could do something bad is banned. It's, it's kicked out of Twitter. like we've seen with like the, the big political. So how come those guys can do it? No, you have like, you track everything. They know where we are, where we piece, where we do this, where they know everywhere. So I'm 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 it's it's really strange. So all those things yeah. we're saying about the ones up, they know it. They understand. Yeah. They just don't do it and I, because there is no money.
1: Well, yeah, uh, there's no money involved, and, and that's a large part of what is always gonna be the uh racism has always been a, one of the fuels for the capitalist machine. And um, I think on a large scale, Howard, I think the issue is not just racism in football. I think um you know, we have always talk about things like art imitating life. Well, you know, the beautiful game in many ways also um, imitates life and stuff as well. Whereby you know, you also have the same phenomenon where there's an element of sexism to in uh, within the mm-hmm. football industry as well. There's a marginalisation of black players, or there has been historically for a very long time. Then there's also the continued marginalisation of black retired players when they try to make the move into uh, managerial positions or into coaching positions, particularly at Premier League teams in this country. And I think you know all of these uh, stem from. Uh, you know, institutional racism, whereby you know someone like Chris Hughton, or you know, uh, has proved himself again and again, and still has to jump through hoops in order for him to be, have the opportunity to manage a Premier League team. And knowing when that opportunity comes along, he's given uh, you know insufficient tools in order to achieve the task. And uh, if you fail once, you're punished for it severely. I think something very similar to uh, Chris Powell as well. But um, I think I'm definitely on uh, uh, Lewis' side in terms of like. Like if you if you're able to track footballers when they get up to bad stuff, or if a footballer invites women over to their home or their uh, training camp in England, then you can track the actions of these uh, people that racially abuse players. And I completely agree. I think I mm-hmm. think if you are uh, abusing racially, found to be racially abusing players, I think your uh, punishment should be any kind of where you um, assault somebody or racially assault someone. You should have to do community service, or if you are a season ticket holder, that should be revoked. I mm-hmm. think you know potentially you have no. No, yeah, no con, no contact with the team or any of its players. So you are blocked from there, and your email domain is blocked from there as well. And yeah, it should be made very clear on your um, CV that you've racially abused somebody, or people should be aware of what you do. Exactly. Either that, or you know, personally, and you might agree with me, Louis. I think we can just let it handle it Eric Cantona style. and You can get booted in the face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that the thing that kind of gets to me, Dane, and and it slightly broadens it away from just racism, but uh, indulge me for a second is. I remember some of the most happy times in my life, and I'm sure it applies to Louis, all From are from sport, are from football. You know, sharing it with my friends and my family, watching Arsenal win the league, very long time ago, but watching Arsenal win the league, uh, you know, was... And it's such a beauty... You can get such joy from it. And yet it generates so much hatred. So much hatred in people. I mean, being a footballer, Louis, I've got to ask, you know, pe- the fans, when they're being so hateful... Um, how, how do you deal with that? How did you deal with that? Mm, it's strange. It's got the fastest ball in FA Cup history. That's what I did, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: I, I do feel like I lo- I love the passion. I love the 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 you know. Some, sometimes it go it go way too much, and it's difficult to control because I understand it because it's um it's some some like ways or special way to express themselves and, and be someone else at some point, you know, because you could have like a banker who's like working, like really uh, strict rules, like all the week and on the weekend where there is like full of um, uh, fans and all that, he just like release everything. So I understand that. So the, the aid for some reason, I never really like felt it or even opened my house to, try to see it. I, I didn't like really uh, felt this because as a player, I don't think we, we see this. We are kind of protected. I, I will feel like fans to fan. Yes, they will say eight, but I, I will, I will be a liar to say, Oh yes, I've seen like a, a massive, uh, a violent uh, conductor uh, in any kind towards me. It, it never happens. Sometimes I, I do have like the idiot. I will call them idiot. More than like <laughs> just like trying to 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 be like violent or something like this because those most of the times are are cohorts. I mean, uh, this is what I'm saying that they they are behind fence and they do this and all that. And it's the same as the guy on the pitch. You know, you have a lot of players who act in a certain way on the field, but when you outside or like in another context and you talk to them like face to face, they are like just like. You know, like <laughs> so I'm 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 just having it. I know that they are personal, they they're playing the game or something like this, and it's pretty much similar with fans. I don't I, I know they are they are they are parents, you know, in some way. They don't conduct themselves the same way. And this is what I'm I always thought, you know, it's like this is the atmosphere, this is the context. So I I, I really didn't really like always feel like I was talking to a man or to a, a dad or to a woman. I just felt like it was a supporter. is playing the role of a supporter. It's like trying mm. to be like, I always felt like this. So me sometimes some are really, really passionate, but I never addressed this as like, no, I, d- I don't think so. And most of the times I will feel apart from some supporters who are absolutely crazy. Yes. But mainly I always speak about the mainly guys. I I only speak about the majority, the odd idiots, you know, or the Vans or just like this, they're just idiots. You know, they don't make the difference between life and, and reality or whatever. I, I, I don't, I, I don't take them as like uh
0: uh, it's a de yeah. for me well, uh, it's the same thing it's the same thing of, of, of how there will be a news story about a footballer who has behaved stupidly yeah yeah and that that's was, what i'm that saying you forgot about the you forgot the hundreds of other players who've been behaving really well during lockdown that's that's my focus I always like uh first I hate cliche so
2: this is what I'm saying and I don't like to be influenced by anything that's gonna I've seen on papers and I don't do that. You know, you can come mm. and say stories to me. Oh, yes, you know, this is this guy has done that. Those girl has done this and that. No, I, I just like listen, but I don't take action from that. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to protect myself because a lot of people are doing uh, personal things. You know, they, they're acting in some way. So they, mm. I, 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 I don't take it, but this is why I'm more focused about the youngsters. I don't want mm. the youngsters to be influenced badly. Because those one grow with something really fake, and they think it's real. And this is where it's really dangerous. And I, I just yeah. really hate that. So those paradigm have like have more power to really destroy people. And this is yeah. what I'm trying to really say. Oh no! Please listen. This is not real. Oh, listen. Like, do your own research, or oh, like just like find out. Because those people who are like again, like the cliche was like the the Lazio people. So I'm going into the Lazio people were racist. First, when Mm -hmm. I hear this, I don't like it because I know it's like some of the Lazio fans were racist or were like fascist or whatever you're saying, but don't Mm -hmm. like put like everyone in the same basket. And this is the type of things in terms of communication for me is very important. And I I try to address because I'm sure that most of the, almost like, like only a few were like, uh, like really bad supporters, but the other ones are are really fine, you know? And, uh, I have stories with like, like, like some fanatics like comes to my hotel and, and drive me to, to the stadium, to, to the training ground. So it's impossible. So yes, those guys were like looking like very mean, but they're not. They're sometimes acting in some way. And, uh, you need to have like a, a mutual respect, and things go
0: really well. Um, yeah. so, well, we, we I think we we feel very privileged, don't we, Dane, to be able to talk to a kind of pro player about uh, this subject. and
1: uh, you know, I think a lot of time there's a lot of speculation about what it's like to deal with it, um, and it's good to hear directly from how you kind of rationalize it and deal with it, Lewis, especially because. And it's good that you're concerned about the youth. I think a lot of people underestimate the amount of resilience that is just required for you to be playing at the level that you were playing at, and uh, like I said. Uh, younger footballers are dealing with a lot more attention and direct contact with supporters in the industry than ever before. Even though you know being on the terraces can be tough, doing that and then going to your phone and still seeing people abuse yeah, yeah. you can be. Then so, that's you I- just
2: like if you want to see it, you see the comments and all that. I heard like Rio Ferdinand was saying, "Oh no, don't look at uh, the comments and something like this." And most of the time, yeah. it's it's real, you know. Yeah, should not mm-hmm. maybe look at it, or if you do. You just take like a really big, big step. It's like those are comedians. They're just like acting. They want attention. Whatever it is, it's not real. I don't, it's like, yeah. it's funny. Some of the guys uh, come after a game, uh, I was commenting uh, against Paris Saint-Germain. So it's fun. And I was saying the yeah. truth about the game. They play really bad. And some of the fans really like starting to insult my mom, insult my, 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 my family and stuff like this. And then I say, I love because I say, wow, it's, it's deep. Those guys have yeah. nothing else to do than insult my mom because yeah. that she has nothing to do with it. So it's like crazy. <laughs> you actually say, oh, why are you saying this to my mom and all that? It's just using this to make me react, yeah. And I don't, yeah, so I, I love And the only thing I can do, it was like laughing and say, oh, how dumb those guys are.
0: That's <laughs> well, it. Well, it's been amazing to hear you talk about that. And uh, I mean, for me, you know, and for a lot of football fans, I think it's so important to hear it, it talked about it in that kind of detail, right, Dane? And um, absolutely,
1: and-, and to have such a stoic response to it as well, I think you're right. Again, more punitive measures for people that kind of ruin the game and not tiring all fans with the same brush. Although, I'm thinking, both of you guys, Maybe I could come on as a consultant for footballers. So when they <laughs> are accused, they can turn and say something like, Yes, maybe my mum did have football. mom didn't, I've got a bad touch. And my mum has got a bad touch too. You know who's
2: got a good touch? <laughs> my mum's great. How about that? It could be could be good. This one reminds me the one close to your mum's house. How about that, brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that.
1: If you thought that head was good, I'd tell you about some good head at your mum's house. <laughs>
0: Just because of of, of time, uh, I'm just going to hand it. It's probably time to hand it over to Dane for his question to kind of wrap up today's episode. Um,
1: There were many questions I wanted to ask uh, Mr. Lewis Saha, obviously, um, but I imagine they've all been asked by most uh, uh, fans, patrons and uh, Premier League enthusiasts. Uh, My thing is, um, the background behind this is that I think for a long time, as a Caribbean immigrant, um, based on what we were talking about before, me and I think a lot of my peers have struggled with representation within football. I think at a club level, a lot of the time, we've always felt we were overrepresented. Uh, and I think to a large extent, black players, despite a lot of the uh, hurdles, are overrepresented in football and are continuing to do so, which I think is amazing when you see like some of the achievements of ballers like you know Jaden Sancho playing in the Bundesliga, uh, yeah, Bundesliga etc. Mm. Um, however, what I'm saying is that because of the lack of representation, what a lot of my friends used to do, is we would show solidarity with teams like Brazil and France because Brazil has one of the largest populations of Africans outside of the continent. And so a lot of their players would be Afro-Brazilian and they looked like they had a viable chance of actually progressing in world competitions. And the other team would be France because to an extent, I suppose, French players, especially French players who are uh, from North African, pay francophones, Mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, players from the, the French West Indies such as Martinique and Guadalupe we identified with them in some ways culturally more than we would with the England football team. And also, again, it's kind of like, well, they look like, like they're actually going to go somewhere. So, you know, with players like yourself, uh, you know, Trezeguet, Henri, uh, Vieira.
0: Turam? Oh, uh,
1: Turam? Turam, yeah. Turan, yeah so the list goes on and on of like uh, Afro-French footballers um, who, you know, definitely have an affinity with uh, British, black British football fans and stuff as well. Anyway, I say I like say this, Louis. I would like to know from you, who is your top 11 Afro-French footballing squad? Cool. Mm. Doesn't have to be from any era, whether it's from past, present or future, any team. Uh, the only stipulation is that they are from either, you know, basically a pay francophone, a French-speaking country or a, a African country or Caribbean country. So, mm.
0: so goalkeeper, you have Bernard Lama. Mm-hmm. Ah, played for Paris Saint Germain. He went to West Ham at one exactly, point. If I yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. was a goal, great goalkeeper. Um, so right, used to you to wear the t- t- Howard,
1: Howard. you write down this formation so we upload this as well. Yeah, pro- yeah. I'm doing. I'm doing <laughs> it. <laughs> and if yeah. any listeners want to want to contest Lewis's uh, starting eleven, then so yeah, feel that's reason,
2: that's, and, that's a really strong one. Basically, so Turam right back, maybe Galas. Cool. Yeah, d- depends. Galas and and. And Turam can swap uh, right back and center back. And um, you
0: have uh, Sylvester, uh, left back. Mm. Mm. Contentious Um, one. An underrated player, an underrated player. He played well for a very long time. um, Played well for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It's going to be tough here. I've got Abidal and Patrice Evra.
0: There you go. Yeah. So, yes, this is a tough one. Um, then um, that's a great defense. That's a great defense. Now you left yeah, out Desai, yeah. but yeah, big, big defense. Um, then uh, whoa.
2: Um, so so you have like uh, like of course you have Zidane. I'm sorry, but he's African. Is Berber? yeah, Berber, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yes, uh, you have Thierry Henry. Um, you have uh, Will Todd. No, uh, mm-hmm. oh, an underrated player. Yes, you have uh, GVCC, um, yes. Yeah, there's a GWCC. Yes, a lot good. of players here. But I, uh, I put uh, Olivier Dacour as well. Play for
0: yeah.
2: Inter and Everton uh, and Lazio. Mm. Yeah.
0: So how many is there? That's uh, pretty much a, a pretty much a full team. You need one more. I think you need one more midfielder. Oh, mm. midfielder. Makaleli is someone who would yes, often come McAuley, up in this conversation Yeah. And Patrick yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: no, no, no. It's too much. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. So, yeah, yeah. So, this is... It's
1: a tough one. It's a tough yeah. one. Because you've got Mac you've got SCN, uh, oh, and then you've got uh, La Salle Diara
2: as well. La the Diara as well, right? I didn't yeah. go... Like, yes, yeah, too much. Too many, too many. Yeah. Oh, I'm Paul Pogba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too many. I forget Paul. No, 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 no. It's too much. Hey, we The, the Torrey brothers as well? Oh, half people uh, MVP probably. as well? No, no, it's impossible. Oh, too oh yeah, <laughs>
1: Right, that is very tough, yeah.
2: yeah. You've got Killian as well. What is mm. Karim Benzema as well? We yes, uh, and Karim, yes. Uh, top player, top, top, top player. Now, French, French national <laughs> team uh, need to really thank their. Uh, you know, the I feel like you also left out your, your um, old teammate as well, Patrice. You, said Patrice. you said Patrice, right? Yes, I did, yeah.
0: yeah of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: gotta
1: yeah, have Patrice, man. Mm-hmm
0: you 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 played with some amazing players louis mm. are there any that you particularly when you think back on your playing career that you god i loved playing with that guy
2: oh yes uh the 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 one that i have to mention is obviously zidane you know uh when you have the chance to play with a with a maestro like this uh football become easy football comes like slow it's like you you can mm. see the ball coming. He already like make it easy for you. So yes, it's a uh,
0: yeah magician. Yeah, that was with the French national team, right? You played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's like the guy from the Matrix. Yeah, him, exactly. That's, yeah.
2: you said it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely the guy who has like similar as like um, you know uh, Messi in some ways. You no, know? because those guys like. They may not be the fastest, uh, but the way they see the, the overall uh, pitch, it's unbelievable. It's a really, uh, it's an amazing skill because everything seems easy. And Zidane
1: is definitely African Louis. He wouldn't have headbutted
0: Marco Materazzi if he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that Louis were, were you were you there that day? you were you in the French squad for that 2006 World Cup? Yes, yes, I was in the stand because I was suspended, but uh I did miss
2: the moment where he did uh headbutt the guy, but uh I think uh, he done um, uh he done one of the biggest mistake uh, of his life, but um uh, for, for sure, that's uh, a moment again that proved that we're all human, and uh,
0: yeah, what can I say? It, you know, I mean, it truly is one of the most unbelievable things to ever happen in sport. The, 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 the arguably one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. The last thing he ever did was in the biggest game that there is. Yeah, it's crazy. It, yeah. It, it, it but yeah. as you say, it really proves that that, that we all are human.
1: Yeah, um, and, I, and I, I feel like. Integrity was more important to him than just the game alone. I'm not saying that it's something that he would have thrown away with for his teammates, but I think had Zinedine Zidane articulated that to his teammates, that he would have got a lot of solidarity. I'm only saying that because I watched Nicolas Anelka's documentary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, he had a, a lot of problems with the uh, French coach, but seeing the unity and the support that he got from his fellow teammates, like it's like there's a real um, socialist kind of sentiment amongst French players, where I feel like you guys are. Uh, very united in terms of supporting each other, and you know, even seeing people come to the support of uh, of uh, Nicholas and Elka was really, really in, in, uh, encouraging.
2: Yeah, um, it's, it is, and in the same way as like again, the same as like the fight against racism, you will see that the actual organization didn't protect the players.
1: Again, yeah, and that's what happens. I think I think people felt if things knew he'd be protected and he could report that, then you know it would have been very different. By the end of the day, you know. The guy said what he said. All I'm Mm -hmm. saying is, everyone remembers who Zinedine Zidane
0: is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a it's been a brilliant brilliant episode this week, isn't it, Dane? Because we we're both big football fans, Louis, and so it's a real joy to to get you on the show, right, Dane?
1: Absolutely. I really appreciate it, and uh, uh, particularly it's so encouraging and amazing. When uh, you know footballers are using their platform for positive change and just definitely trying to encourage a lot more positivity, not just on in the industry but just on a larger humanitarian scale. So we very much appreciate you coming on the podcast and doing so, Louis. Um, could you tell our listeners where they could find out more about you? Although if you don't know, you must be an alien. But um...
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah yes, uh, the website is uh, www.axistars.com. Where we have like built a uh, an ecosystem, a new ecosystem for for sportsmen and uh, and not um, entertainers where we want to really make them face only the right people, so, so right service providers. So I'm fully behind this uh, and I funded it uh, like um, like my little baby. I'm really like working really, really hard to make sure that uh, everyone. Uh, benefit from a win-win platform. So yeah, just check it out um, on uh, on social media
0: as well. We are quite active as well to give a understanding of what we're doing and when you finish looking at that go and look at some of Louis goals we're going to post some <laughs> we're going to yeah. post some on our social media in case you guys have forgotten how great yeah. a striker and he was definitely check out
1: Access Stars as well guys if you are looking for uh, you know utilising former athletes or entertainers for any particular <laughs> events or to be involved in leisure or hospitality then um, definitely uh, an app worth downloading um, also provides lots of special offers for exclusive and luxury brands and services it has been directly connected to uh, influencers and movies. Movers and shakers so um yeah if you want to be uh doing everything top shelf then please do download access stars because i've seen it it's very cool and it works very well and again it's encouraging trying to create an ecosystem which does protect players uh both financially as uh, well as personally so yeah man check out access stars please everybody yeah
0: and um Thanks again, Louis. Amazing. I mean, you, you never played yeah. for Arsenal, so obviously, you know, it's not quite the same, you know, yeah. that, but your that. goals were amazing. But that's
1: all right, Lewis. You can make up for it. If you know about a semi protein that's near you and they're doing trials right now, <laughs> I would like a trial with a semi team before I turn 40, just for my bucket list. I don't even need to do much. Just do one training session and get a jumper. And then that's me taking care of, Lewis. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yes, I'm a comedian, but I still have dreams too. So if you can make that happen, that would be great
2: oh I can only see I can only see your beautiful smile my man (laughs) (laughs) Dane's lights have gone off Dane's (laughs) lights have
1: gone Uh, set on our conversation but um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you so much and a real insight and uh, please do stay in touch and um, yeah um, hopefully uh, I'm sure I'll catch up with you on Axis Stars and in the near
0: future take care
2: thank you very much Bye. bye
0: You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything hosted by Dane Baptiste For more from Dane go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTiste Our guest was Louis Saha You can follow Louis on Twitter and Instagram at Louis Saha The show was produced by me, Howard Cohen Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheHowardCohen The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at WeAreAudioCulture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQEPodcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything.